Hi, everybody. I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. Welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. You guys know how this works. Today, we're doing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, directed by Ang Lee, released in 2000, I believe, and starring Chun Yo Fat. Uh, I love this movie, but Dan, uh, I did make you watch it. How do you feel about it? I, I love it. I mean, I saw it when it first came out. I loved it when everybody else did in the year 2000. I saw it maybe once or twice since then. When you proposed it, I thought to myself, okay, that's pretty good. Like that's, I remember that's a solid movie. It'll be good for the podcast. 10 minutes into it, I thought to myself, I am so glad Mike picked this movie. It is so rewatchable and so beautiful. You know, not every movie is beautiful. Movies are, but this movie truly, the, the, the people in it are beautiful. I mean, Michelle Yeoh is, I mean, she is, she is a movie star. The, the costumes are beautiful. The sets are beautiful. And they're not beautiful in an over the top, you could tell we've spent $300 million on this film way. They're beautiful in their simplicity. The dialogue is beautiful. The, the emotions are beautiful. The fights are beautiful. And I'm sure we'll talk about those in the next 15 minutes. But what was great about it was not only, you know, everyone remembers the fights. Everybody remembers the um, gracefully leaping from roof to roof. Everybody remembers Chai and Fat walking on the bamboo branch. But what really struck me this time is it's a great movie about people struggling to articulate what they really feel. It's a very human emotion, right? How brave do you have to get to tell somebody that you love her? Well, it takes him, you know, uh, the whole journey of the film. And it's a great meditation on human happiness and, and why we can't get it. And these people trying to be free and how their freedom is tied up with their sense of happiness. Even Jade Fox, Jade Fox says to Jen, you know, we'll be our own masters at last. She's uh, have to, has to marry a guy she doesn't want to. Yu Shulian is married to a, essentially a dead man. She's engaged to a dead man, right? Chai Yun Fat, uh, you know, he's, he, can't, he can't talk about what he wants. She says, you know, to repress one's feelings only make them stronger. So you have this great emotional pressure cooker going on with these characters who want to be able to do what they want, but can't. And it's different than we talked about out of the past, where, where, you know, Robert Mitchum wants, tries to do what he wants, you know, but can't. Here, the reasons are a little different, but I think they're so um, recognizable as human beings in the middle of this beautiful time machine. So that's one of the things I thought great. That's one of the reasons I'm so glad um, you picked it. What did you think watching it again? Yeah, well, I agree with you first on the visual beauty that this movie does the kinds of things that only movies can do. You know, during one of the fight scenes um, when Jen tries to get away and she tries to drift up in the air. Uh, and she gets dragged back down. She tries to drift it back up in the air again. She gets dragged back down again. I can't think of another another form besides ballet or some kind of dance, which it which is a very obvious uh, metaphorical way to to talk about the fight scenes, you know, or or the kind of aesthetic that's going on to talk about what's going on in this movie emotionally, you know, which is you want to you want to drift back up in the air, but you get dragged back down. You, it's you can't do it on paper. It wouldn't necessarily just work as a dance. It's not going to work as a musical. This movie is a movie that loves movies and is doing the things that only, moving you in the way that only films can move you. I would also say we just did Out of the Past, obviously, which had some fluid flashbacks. These have some of the most fluid flashbacks, I think. It's to the film's credit that they flashback to Jen and Lo uh, in the cave, but they never flashback to like young Lee Mubai, you know, walking down the street with the same ponytail, but using a different actor, you know, or getting uh, Martin Scorsese to de-age his face. The movie makes all the correct decisions and choosing only the most beautiful moments because you can clearly do, um, you can clearly do Lee Mubai's um, love for his beloved, but you can't necessarily, but it, it would, it would just be, it's beautiful and funny and poignant to have Jen and Lo together in the cave and show that, show their life together and how 
uh, stubborn she is and courageous she is and how amazing she is as a person and how determined he is that they'll that they'll be together. Because if you think about it, you know, it, their plot is obvious now that you've rewatched it, but there's a point in the movie where he just blunders through her window and she goes, huh? And then, and then we're told as viewers who he is, but that's done so elegantly. It's very difficult to handle that kind of material. If I gave you the story chronologically and I said, write me Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you'd either not do it or it would take you a year to try to unspin and decide what you're going to show and not show. So, so the, the flashback, you know, and, the, and all the desert scenes and stuff, that's as gracefully done as the fights. Absolutely. There's a lot of material but it doesn't seem like a lot of material. It drifts as easily as they're drifting rooftop to rooftop. You would think that they'd be weighed down just from a screenwriting perspective. And again, to go, to further your idea about weightlessness, right, is that they, um, you totally believe that, you know, Lee Mubai, you know, and, and Yu Shulian love each other just by the way they look at each other. They don't have to emote. They don't have to crow about it, right? They're very restrained in their emotions. They're very almost like weightless. They don't go around, you know, sobbing, but you could tell just by a glance and how when they're sitting there looking at each other at the table and that restraint, of course, I think makes it so moving. It makes you care about them so much and it makes the ending, which we'll save to the ending of our podcast, so so memorable. The, the exposition reminded me a lot of the beginning of The Searchers. And in yes. fact, the way in which- 100%. The way in which the materials presented and and the natural surroundings are used, uh, and the kind of structures are you, it, it's not. It doesn't surprise anybody that some of the tales from the east uh, inform how we think about the west, and then westerns getting shipped to the east get made into movies that get shipped back, and then inform how we make westerns. But this this reminded me very much of a western, and and like I said, the beginning of the searchers, where Ethan is looking at his brother's wife. Uh, who who he can't have, which is essentially the same story that we get here. That right. you know, close friend was engaged, and then he then he died, and not, nobody wants to dishonor his memory, but they're deeply in love. Yeah, and I think that's like the ten best minutes of John Ford's career are the opening ten minutes of The Searchers because it's all done with with the with the natural scene and with the way they look at each other, and even like when you know Ward Bond is is un, uneasy because Martha's looking at you know John Wayne's jacket. All of this this pent up emotion, all of this restrained emotion is there in the scene, but it's never said out loud once. There's something very beautiful about that that, that draws us further in instead of alienating. Like if they all talked about it, it, it wouldn't work as well. And the same thing goes on in Crouching Tiger. I think the most telling and chilling moment for me is when Lee Mubai explains why he came back. And he says, I, he said, I was deep in meditation and I went to a quiet place and it was all, it was all screaming. And I and I lost my meditation and I had to come back. And you you get the sense that he's been walking this path and he's gone as far as he can possibly go. Uh, and he's he's hit some kind of wall, or that the the thing that exists in the spiritual universe that surrounds reality is not a place that you'd want to go if you could get there. Yeah. Well, the wall he hit is is missing her. Yeah. All right, I'll see you in part two. Hi, welcome back. In part two, we like to talk about our favorite line or our favorite moment. Mike, what's yours? Uh, well, okay. My favorite moment is when the the two policemen, uh, the, the, the team is, is staring down Jade Fox, um, at, who's just drifted in the courtyard to kill them. And they, they banter back and forth for a minute. And then she lets out this kind of death shriek uh, and, and charges at them, and which of course ends with the death of the detective. Because then Jen gets involved in the fight and it's like a it's a weird two group fight, but it ends with her um, getting her man. And she, she assassinates the guy after she's killed, uh, after she's killed his wife. I can't, I can't explain why I like that so much, except 
that that fight is that fight is great and but it doesn't have necessarily the grace um of the of the other fights there's some kind of weird dichotomy that i don't have fully teased out between between discipline and passion and we were talking about it from an emotional standpoint but there there's an implication that because jade fox is so full of hate and rage that's what accounts for her lack of discipline and the fact that she can learn certain things um, from the Kung Fu manual, but there's, but there's a limit to where she can go. It's because she's not necessarily in control of herself, but she, she actually is the figure in the film who's the most in control of her, emo- uh, least in control of her emotions. Yeah, at least. Felt, you get the sense that she really loves Jen, but she's been a hard master and that she's a ferocious warrior and she embraces these poisons, but, but there's a limit to how far she can go because she's so in touch with herself. But then of course there's Lee Mubai on the other end, who, who's, who's the greatest warrior on earth, maybe except Jen, uh, or a fitting teacher for her, but it's only because he's repressed those parts of himself that would be most fully human. And so it's what you what you give up versus what you have. It would be a de- different movie if Jade Fox um, was just as repressed as he was, um, but then limited in, in the way that she fights uh, or in who she can take down. And then of course, the, the warriors that fight alongside of her are also um, not the most disciplined. It's a fair fight three on one uh, for, for most of that fight. And so she's gone far enough. She's in tune enough with her emotions to take them three on one, but not to handle Shulian when she shows up uh, with, without Jen's help. And there's, there's something going on between how good a warrior you are versus how much you're oppressed, but are you able to tap into your anger and your emotions? But if you are, you're capped, but you're like, yeah. a, but she's the most real character for a lot of the movie until she dies. Um, and I'm just interested in that. There's some scale of economics. It's like a zero-sum game for your for your emotional life and, and your devotion to your art, which is why even Jen recognizes that and says, remember we found out that she really wasn't translating everything the right way? It's because she did Jen understood more about the Wudan manual than Jade Fox did, because Jen knew that Jade Fox couldn't do that, right? So I think it's interesting what you're talking about. And again, we have there's no algebraic um expression for it. But the idea is that you know, what do you have to give up to attain these heights, to attain to, to attain those levels where you can float in the trees? Okay, so anyway, that's my moment. What's your moment? So my moment is when Jen says to um, you, Shulian, it must be exciting to be a fighter, to be totally free. And I've mentioned that before, how much I love the theme of freedom in this film. But I love how she responds, well, fighters have rules too. Without rules, we wouldn't live long. Now that, to me, is something really interesting about this because this movie combines the theme of freedom with the with the spectacle of the fights, and and you get you get them both. I think Ang Lee gets to have it both ways. So you get to have um, this conversation between the characters about how we're supposed to find happiness, but the way you find it is by fighting other things. You either fight yourself, you fight other people, right? You you become a great master, she thinks, and you could become like a hero in a book. But then you know, usually answers, well, that's not real. You know, I can do those things too. I'm like one of those people, but I'm not really happy. Chow Yun-Fat's not really happy. So so the, the kid's version of happiness gets contrasted with what the adults learn. What they wanted occurred to me is to be like that sword. They want to be the green dragon sword, right? Because someone says, you know, um, it, it's strong and it's supple. It's flexible, right? You can kind of bend it and bend the rules, but you're also really, really strong. And it also occurs to me how great it is that Jen and Lo, they, they court each other through fighting. Their whole courtship is based upon fighting. You know, um, I don't take orders from anybody. And then instantly they start kissing because it's only, you know, a lateral move from from the fighting to the embracing. And I think that the film gets to have this both ways. And I just love that line, fighters have rules too, because the film obeys all the rules of, of cinematic fight scenes. 
you're gonna have these people in a closed space. So when she says, um, how long can you last as my enemy? You know, and uh, I love Michelle Yeoh says, you know, shut the door. <laughs> and you know, they're gonna have the fight there. So the, when she beats up all the guys in the tavern, you know, before that begins, she's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna kick all their butts. So the movie obeys all these fight scene rules, but it still does it beautifully. One thing that really interests me about this movie is that while the fight scenes aesthetically remind me of opera, and, and you can think of some of the fight scenes as sort of physical aria or physical duet, I still think that there's a subtlety to the emotional language of the film, which is different than opera love. You get the sense that Lee Mubai really loves and, and Julianne really loves Lee Mubai and not, not necessarily in an, in an ill-fated or operatic, or operatic way. They're not star-crossed lovers. No, they're, they're not. Are, they're people who are in love, but they have mysterious powers and abilities that have been brought on by their own discipline. That's a marvelous balance, I think. So when you say the movie gets to have it both ways, that's really what that means to me. Yeah, great. All right, I'll see you in part three. Okay, so in part three, of course, we talk about the ending, our big takeaway. Sometimes we talk about the title. Here, I think we definitely have to talk about the title. Dan, what's your take on Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Well, it comes from, first of all, it's a great title. And second of all, it comes from when uh, Lee Mubai says, Crouching Tigers and Hidden Dragons are in the underworld, but so are human feelings. Big, big theme of the film, right? That, that their feelings come out. And I, I love, I love, I love at the end how this guy who is the most, you know, the greatest Wudan master played by the greatest figure in, in Hong Kong cinema. It takes this guy all the strength in the world to hold her hands and say, all these years, I never had the courage to touch it. All, it, takes him, it takes him the moment of death and all the courage he has to, to, to just be honest with her. And then when she says, don't waste your precious breaths on me. And he says, I've already wasted my whole life. I want to tell you with my last breath that I have always loved you. I would rather be a ghost drifting by your side as a condemned soul than enter heaven without you. But because of your love, I will never be a lonely spirit. That's bravery on the emotional level, like we've seen on the physical level with the characters. And I think at the end that, that, that crouching tiger, you know, leaps and the hidden dragon comes out. But to, but to your point that the, the sadness or the poignancy for me is that it has to take place in, at the moment of death, but, but which is also in the underworld. It's in Jade yeah. Fox's lair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unlike, unlike the, the green destiny sword, she's, she's used poison. She's used trickery and evil. Yeah. Uh, and corruption to to kill him, and so the the place of emotion it doesn't get reseated in the movie by that scene. It still takes place in the underworld because somehow that's still the appropriate place for it. What do you make of the ending when Jen jumps off the bridge? Again, this is not fully teased out. My nearest take, my gut tells me that it has something to do with the dichotomy that we've been talking about, which is the balance between your emotion limiting how far you can go. And so if you can if you can control yourself, and you can sacrifice the parts of you that are human, you can be inhuman. Um, but if you, or if you, the more human you are, the less inhuman you get. And Jen, by jumping off the bridge, we get an ascendant moment. We're not sure if she's falling. We're not sure if she's flying. It, cer it certainly seems like she's flying. And, and it's a moment where she's the most human that she can possibly be, but she's the most ascendant. She's gone farther than Shulian or Lee Mubai. And she's, she's broken through the plane that, that Lee Mubai hits in his meditation, which is I think why we're told that at the beginning of the movie, that he's he's become something other than human, but he doesn't like where he is. He's called back into his body. But there's, there's some moment where she can tell him that she loves him, that she's gonna see him again. And she gets 
the the greatest power that anyone has in the movie, which is also the the point at which it ends because she's she's gone farther than anybody else and all her enemies are dead and she's ascendant. So she's gone to a place that's unfilmable too. I think she's gone to a place beyond film. I don't know if she'll be able to come back. I don't know where that fits on the dichotomy. You want to you want to believe it, but she's been able to admit it and she's been able to take a literal leap. Well, it has to do with also what Lowe said to her when he tells a story about the mountain. He says, you know, the, about the person who jumped off the mountain, you get a free wish and he just kind of floated away. You know, if you believe it. So you don't know, is she, is she, you know, did you ever think that she was committing suicide? There's a 0% chance that that she dies or that last moment all takes place in, in her head. I think for a movie- No, I know it doesn't take place in her head. Yeah, for, for a movie with, you know, a, a, a magical uh, sword, uh, you know, people that people that can fly- um, and weird, mysterious Hamlet poisons that we can take it at face value that she's yeah. she's learned to fly. Yeah. But le- but learning to fly means instead of trying to balance that scale of how he of how human are, you are, where how far you can go, she she leaps off of it. And you know the sacri- the sacrifice of everything is the gain of everything. Instead of small little bets to see you know if you can get sixty eight percent of the way there, if you can get seventy percent of the way there, she gambles it all. These characters can't keep their eyes on the circling sky, tongue tied and twisted, just an earthbound misfit eye, to, qu- to quote Pink Floyd in the song of learning to fly. Our Tom Petty says learning to fly is the hardest thing. And, and you hear you see somebody who gets to fly emotionally away from this, 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 this place of entrapment with this new art or this new level that she's reached. She gets to have it all. You know, she has it both ways like the film finally at the end. Great. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Give it another watch and please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm and let us know what we should watch. Thanks a lot. See you next time. This one is also currently free on Amazon. So if you think you remember it, just do yourself a favor and spend the next two hours watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Definitely worth watching. Time well spent. Hi, everybody. We are so glad about the response we've had to this podcast, which we began a year ago. It's gone bigger and bigger beyond what we ever thought it would become. And we want to let you know just about a couple easy ways to support the show. Okay, so first, you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter at 15MINFILM. That's 15, the number, MINFILM. And you can now support the show through Venmo. If you like what we're doing, you can send us a dollar or two. Anything helps. And all the money is going to go back into the show and to upgrade our equipment. Yeah, that's what we're going to do that to upgrade the equipment, to pay for podcast hosting. And if you and if you send us anything on Venmo, let us know in the message what movies you want us to do. We take requests. We've taken requests already. We're always looking for new ideas. We love connecting with our listeners. Now at Venmo, you can send us the Venmo at 15 Minute Film. It's spelled out. The, the number 15 is spelled out. 15 Minute Film. We, we'd love to hear from you. Again, a, a buck a season would be great, but anything you want to send us would be very, very appreciated. And like Mike said, it all goes right back into the show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing.